Nice to think about taking a break. But today, I want to focus on the real purpose of Christmas. The whole purpose of Christmas is summed up in one verse. And there it is on your outline. It's from John 3.16. It says this, For God so loved the world that he gave... He gave what? He gave his only son so that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. That's the whole purpose of Christmas. That is the big gift. So God so loved the world that he gave the very first Christmas gift. The very first Christmas gift. And the tradition of giving Christmas gifts began with God. It wasn't a commercial idea. God started it. God gave the first, the most expensive, the greatest gift with the biggest implications. In fact, the Bible says here in Romans 5.8, God showed his love, his great love for us. How? By sending Christ to die for us while we were yet sinners or separated from God. Now, Christmas shows us, you and I, that God loves us unconditionally. And that we don't have to be perfect for God to love us. Because that verse says, whilst we were sinners, God sent his son to show his love for us. He didn't wait for us to straighten up, to get our lives perfect. Whilst we were sinners, he gave. Now, Christmas shows us that that is God's unconditional grace to you and to me. It's unconditional. That means that you and I can't earn it by our goodness. We can't deserve it. While we were sinners, that's grace. That means undeserved kindness God showed to us. Whilst we've still blown it, God shows us unconditional. Now, follow the logic of this from the Bible. Romans 8.32 Since God did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, then can we not expect that with him, with who? With him, Jesus, God will freely give us all his gifts. All. Christ is the big gift. Now, if God loves you enough to send his only son to come and die for you on the cross... He certainly loves you enough to take care of your daily needs and other needs. Now notice it says, with him. So with God's gift of Jesus, you get many other gifts as well. Actually, it's a fascinating study I once did. There's actually 51 other gifts specified that come with Christ. Because, for example, have you ever received like a gift in a big box? Yeah. And then there's gifts... Inside the next box, and the next box, and the next box. So inside that big gift, there are other gifts. Today, we're going to look at four of them. Smaller gifts. So at Christmas, God's gift to you is Jesus Christ. He is the big box. He is the big gift that God gives you at Christmas. God so loved the world that he gave his only son to you. But inside that big box are smaller ones as well. I'm trying to communicate. So... All of God's gifts are wrapped up in Jesus. First point on your outline there. And when you get Jesus, you get all the other gifts he wants to give you. Because in him is all we need for life and godliness. Life 
and godliness. In Him, everything, life and godliness is all wrapped. Nothing else is needed. Today, four gifts that God wants to give you when you receive the big gift of Jesus Christ. So, when I accept that big gift of Jesus, God so loved the world that he gave his only son, first, God gives me a brand spanking new identity. Now, some of you will relate to this letter. Dear Pastor, I feel that for, the entire, for my entire life, I have been defined by other people. First, my mum. She constantly berates me to be something or someone else that I have no interest in being like. Sometimes my dad joins in. And the pressure to perform or to please or to gain their approval is overwhelming. Because I feel I never measure up. I've never felt validated for who I was, just what I did. Then in school, I felt pressured by my friends to fit in, to be cool, and do the things I didn't want to do necessarily or even necessarily enjoy. So I wore a mask and I pretended a lot, especially in high school. Then when I started dating and later married my spouse, I felt their constant pressure to please them and to stuff my own feelings and my needs. In fact, I've worried so much my entire life about gaining the approval of others, I have no idea who I am. Or what I'm really supposed to do in this life. There, my friends, is an identity problem. Do you know what one of the fastest growing crimes in the world is today? Identity theft must be an IT. 560 million details of people stolen. Identity theft. You're absolutely right. And the truth is, we all get our identity stolen by peer pressure. They try to make you somebody else. Parents. By society, by culture, trying to force us into its mold. Question. Where do you get your identity? Where does that come from? Well, most of us get it from three specific locations. The first one is work. Work. But that's not your identity. That's what you do. It is not you. It just so happens is what you do. A second way people get identity, their identity, is through relationships. Through the husband or through their wife. And the third thing which is extremely common in our society, we get our identity through things. Okay, What we own a lot of the time, our house, our car, our possessions. Or things I collect, like a hobby. That can be part of my identity. Now, I want to suggest something very important to you this morning. I want to be real clear about this. Never base your identity on anything 
that can be taken from you. That you can lose. Why? Because if it goes, your whole life collapses. Jobs are important. Because you're commanded to provide for your family. But don't have your full identity in that. Because sure as eggs, one day that job's not going to be there. Either through, maybe not even your own fault. Somebody overseas sells off the company. Boom, you're gone. And don't think for a minute they care. So you won't be disappointed. If you build your identity on something that can be taken from you, like when you get laid off or downgraded or fired... What is your identity going to be like, your sense of self-worth, when you lose that? It's going to be trashed. Is your identity based on your home? You know what? I spent many times talking to people who've lost their homes in foreclosure. They can't afford it. In my day, interest rates went from 7% to 35%. Did they ask for that? No. People have gotten the big pickle. What would happen if that happened and you lost your home? Wealth. Some people put in the wealth. What happens? It's great when your wealth's going north, but what happens when your portfolio takes a massive dive and you lose that money? Goes upside down. What about appearance? Many people base their identity in how I look whether you're pretty or whether you're buff. But folks, have you ever noticed that beauty fades? Anybody want to give a testimony to that? (laughs) How about talent? You know, I remember at high school, all the athletic guys, you know, the jocks. Now they're just jokes. You know, they've got beer guts hanging out there, could stick the pint on the top for a table. (laughs) You know? This is more serious. Even family. Family is good. But you need to be careful if you totally base your identity, for example, on your husband or your wife. And for some unexpected reason, they pass away. And you live another 30 years. What's your identity then? You have to be careful. The only thing that cannot be taken away from you is God's unconditional love. Unconditional love. That will be with you for eternity. That you can count on. Friends are fickle. God is faithful. Do I hear an amen? I'm in the right place. If you want to have your true identity, your permanent identity, you must Receive that from the only source you can get that from, and it only comes from one place, and that's God. Nobody else has got the complete picture. And by the way, nobody can take that from you. Here's the good news. God wants to give you an a permanent, I like those words, permanent, that gives me great security. A permanent ID. Here it is, 2 Corinthians 5.17. When somebody accepts Christ... That's the big gift. He becomes a brand new person inside. And he is not the same anymore. A new life has begun. That's being born again. 
Now, does that mean that you are perfect? Uh, no way. Or sinless? No way. Now, that should, increasingly, you should sin less, yes. When you get to heaven, you'll then be perfect. But as you move along and mature in your Christian life, the expectation is that by the power of God, which we'll get onto in a moment, he will help you overcome the power of sin. Now, so when we accept Christ, does that mean we're sinless? No, it just means your identity has been changed. It means that you are no longer defined by your past failures, by your past sins, by your past mistakes, and your past struggles. You have a brand new identity, and that is that you are now a child of God. And nobody can take that from you. Paul says, when we accept God's Christmas gift, Jesus, God so loved the world that he gave his only son. The first thing he gets is a brand new identity. And by the way, when God gives you a new ID, do you know what the ceremony is called to kick that off? Baptism. It's saying, I'm not the person I used to be. I'm not the person I'm going to be. But I'm a brand new man, and I'm, I'm going that way. I'll still make mistakes. I'll still blow it. But now I am forgiven, and I am loved unconditionally by God. Have you been baptized? Have you been baptized? Some of you have been putting that decision off for a long time. Where you, first of all, the Bible, notice the order. It says, believe and be baptized. I'm not talking about sprinkling with water on your head. That's a dedication. I'm talking where you, as a young adult or an adult, choose before my parents. When you, when you held that little baby and the priest sprinkled some stuff on you, that's a, that wasn't your choice. God wants you to choose. Choose you this day whom you will serve. And the way that is done in the New Testament, endorsed by Jesus, is baptism. So the starting point on your identity is you must stop seeing yourself as everybody else sees you. And start seeing yourself as God sees you. Listen, uh, listen to what Jesus says here in John eight thirty one, a stunning verse. If you follow my words, you will know the truth and... The truth will set you free. Now, most people, even secular people, know that part. The truth will set you free. But most Kiwis, without exception, forget the first part of that verse. What was it? If you follow my words. We all like the last part, but it's the first part that has to be there first. Is it if? In, well, I won't go there. I was going to computer programming language. If, then. Logic. If you do this, then this will happen. The question is if. You won't learn the truth from TV. It lies all the time. You won't learn the truth from magazines that you see in the doctor's surgery or the dentist's surgery. Even your friends only have a partial picture of actually who you are. Only God can tell the truth about you because he made you. Purpose built. What's the truth about you? God knows that. The world says, remember this, well, if you're not the most beautiful or the most educated or the most talented or the most wealthy, well, you don't really matter that much. That's the implication. 
Or they'll try and tell you, you were damaged goods. You made a mistake. You made two or three. You're damaged. You're no good for anything else. That's what the world will tell you. God says, no, no, no. You get a fresh start in me. The world will tell you, you're too young. Or then they'll turn around. It's schizophrenic. It'll say, you're too old. The best one I like, well, actually, I think it's ironic. It says, the world will say, you are, if, imply this, they'll say this, you're dumb. And they're called dumb people, dummies, which is very derogative. And then they'll say, it doesn't matter what, you can't please them. If you're down at the end, they'll say that. But if you're too smart, they'll call you a geek. And there'll be a derogatory term as well. You can never please the world. Now, you've heard these voices over and over. Why can't you be like your brother? Or your sister? Why don't you measure up is effectively what they're saying. Friend, if you've heard that tape playing and playing again, I want you to eject that, push the eject button, whip the tape out, and destroy it. And in this place, I want you to put in God's tape who says, I want you, I love you, and I have a plan for you, and I have gifts to give you. My love for you will never change. You are valued. You are precious and you are special. Do not listen to the lies of the world. In fact, next year, I feel so strongly about this, we're going to do an entire series called Transformation. That you are valuable, that you're acceptable, that you're forgivable, that you're lovable, that you are capable and usable for God's purpose and his overall plan. Romans 12, 2, the key verse of this series is here. It's let God transform you, change you up into a new person by changing the way that you think. Then you will know what God wants you to do his good, his pleasing, and his perfect will for your life. Anybody want to know his good, pleasing, and perfect will for your life? Don't miss that series that's coming up. A lot of work going into that right now. It's going to be a good one. And our theme verse is that one right there. Okay. So the first thing you need to change for transformation is the truth about your real identity. Reject the lie of the world. But you need more than that. We all have areas that we know that we need to change. Anybody got them apart from me? Yep, things that I know that I should do. But it's tough, and God knows that. So he gives us the second gift. And that is, God gives me a new ability that comes in Jesus. I get a new power, a new energy, a new capacity, a new strength. I'm not just depending upon my Mm, very mediocre willpower. And some would say I've got a reasonable degree of it. I'm going to, instead of depending on my willpower, enable God's Holy Spirit to strengthen me. Now, for example, in not long from now, you and I are going to be sitting down, it's going to be New Year's Eve, and we're probably pondering the goals for the new year. And they'll last about probably two weeks. <laughs> Ever notice that? Why? Because willpower alone is not enough. Because you and I get tired of doing those things and we give up, right? That's the honest to God truth of it. You don't need more willpower 
you need a new power. That's what you need, a new power. Romans 5, 5 says, God has poured out his love into our hearts by the means of the Holy Spirit. Who is God's, there's that word again, gift to us? God's Holy Spirit is his gift to us at Christmas. He says, I'm not going to just be working around you and helping you and being with you. I'm going to work within you. Now look at this. Philippians 2.13. Now! Now what? Now that you have God's Spirit inside of you. God works in you. Not just with you. For you and around you. Giving you both, here's the important thing. The desire and the ability. Two things there. Two. The desire and the ability to fulfill his good purpose for you. Often, you know what the problem is with you and me? Often we know the right thing to do. And we want to be different, for example, at the end of next year. We're not content with where we are. And some of that is God's Spirit giving you a holy discontent. To stir you up. This is not acceptable. That's a good thing sometimes. Especially if it's initiated by God's Spirit. We all want to improve the way we love God and help other people we have a desire. But often, that ability doesn't flow through. We don't change the long term, by the way, because of guilt. But we change because of grace. You don't need law and legalism. What you need is love. A good illustration of this is I have a number of sons. And I have noticed a strange thing that happens to them when they fall in love. There's a set number of jobs around the house, things like washing the house down, which we're just in the middle of doing right now, mowing the lawns, doing the gardening, da 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 ad infinitum ad nauseum, they would say. However, this is what's expected if you live in the Buckley house. If you're in the boat, you row the boat. And like normal teenagers, they're pretty good, but my mates are there, you know, yeah, how it goes. But all of a sudden... One son I'm thinking of in particular gets a girlfriend. All of a sudden, Dad, I notice all of a sudden it's, how can I help? Sheds tidy, this is done, hedges cut. What's going on? Now what law and legalism could not achieve, love has. (laughs) Same job. Love energizes. Where did all this come from? Love, not legalism, not rules. Love is what changes us. And the more I'm filled with God's love, the more power and passion I will have. Do I hear an amen? Second Timothy 1.7 For God does not give us a spirit of fear. If you have a problem with fear, you need to know that God is near. But instead, he fills us. Look at this. What a gift. Power, love, and self-discipline. Now, another one says, sound mind. Very similar, by the way. Would you like more power to do the things that you need to do? More love? Yes. More self-discipline? Yes. Well, you get that, not at the warehouse. 
You get that from God. And God's spirit inside of you. God says, I don't fill you with a spirit of fear, but I'll give you these three ingredients to transform your life. I give you them. To be all that you need to be. You need truth about your real identity and your worth. Don't listen to the lies of the world except as gift. You need power, the ability God gives you. But you also need loving support. When I accept gift, God's gift of Jesus, a new identity and a new ability, the third gift is wrapped up in the big box. Jesus gives me, he gives me a community. A community. That's part of it. None of this Lone Ranger stuff. You were not meant to go through life alone. And unsupported. In fact, God created a family for you. It's called the church. You were meant to know God and you were created for God's family. You are actually created for it. To support you as you go through life to do the right thing. Ephesians 1. Because of his love, again, notice the, the preeminence of his love. And it all comes back to God's love, for God so loved the world. God's unchanging plan. I love that about God. He doesn't have to quickly adjust. Well, oops, didn't think about that. It's permanent because he's so smart. He's all-knowing. We call it omniscience. Because of God's unchanging plan, has always been to always been to adopt us into his own family. Adoption has got a very special place in our heart in the Buckley household because my daughter Helen and son in law Tim have just adopted a baby girl. Hope. This is very personal. God's unchanging plan has always been to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. Notice that's the way you get to God. Circle the word adopt. How does God adopt us? Through Jesus Christ. But you have to choose to come to God through Jesus Christ. You have to choose. It's your choice. Is everybody a child of God? No. Not everybody is a child of God. They need to be choose to be part of his family. Everybody is loved by God. Let me be clear about that. Because God has never made a person he didn't love. Ever. Everybody is created by God. And God has never, never made a person he did not want in heaven. They may choose not to want to go there. God has never made a person he doesn't have a plan for. He didn't just make you and then sort of shake it all up like a bunch of scrabble tiles and say, here, figure it out yourself. He has a plan. God's never made a person he didn't, Jesus didn't die for. Never made a person like that. God's never made a person he didn't want to come to personally know him. God's never made a person he didn't want in his family. Because God doesn't make mistakes. And God says, I want you to believe in me, one, and two, belong to my family. Believe in me and belong to my family. God says, I'm going to give you a brand new community to help you change. Because next to the word of God, the people of God, 
will, God will use them to help change you. So you need to believe in Jesus. You need to belong to his family because you need that support. What is the family of God? The Bible says it clearly here. 1 Timothy 3.15. That church, that family is the church. See, it is the church of the living God, the support and the foundation of the truth. Now notice the church is a family. It is not a business. It is not an organization even. And it is certainly not a club. It is a family. And God created his church family for your support. Now most people don't realize the necessity of having a church family. But God says, I made that family for your foundation and your support as a foundation. And the fact is, we are better together. We need each other. I need you, you need me. We compensate and help each other. Here it says in 1 Corinthians 12, 7, a different spiritual gift is given to each of us in God's family. So, why? Why is that? So we can help each other for the common good. That's why God's given us each gifts. Who is the church for? The church is for everybody. Notice this in Galatians 3, 28. In Christ, I love this verse, there are no divisions or distinctions between Jew and Greek, Kiwi and Australian, slave or free, boss or employee, male or female. Instead, the Bible says here, we are all equal. Now, let me be very blunt. If you have a family, God expects you to love every single child equally. Why? Because God loves us all equally. The Bible says, with God, there is no partiality. Now, the fact of the matter is, even though God loves us all equally, we don't all love him back equally. Huh? And even though you may love all your family equally, right, mums and dads, they may not all love you back equally sometimes. But God says, you are to do that. You are to love them and treat them all equal in the sense of your love for them is all equal. It is not based, God's love for us is not based on heredity or ethnicity or affinity or nationality. Nothing to do with it. In fact, the Bible says there will be tribes and tongues from every nation in heaven. I love that. It is based on the fact that you are loved by Christ. That's what includes you in this family. Now, one other gift wrapped up in the big gift of Jesus Christ. So you get a new identity. You get a new ability. God gives you a new community. And then God gives me forth a new destiny at Christmas. All wrapped up. When I accept Jesus into my life, God gives me a new destiny. Now, I don't know whether you've realized, and again, those of you who have families, and you can probably recall, have you seen some of those gifts sometimes that kids get and they don't last till noon on Christmas Day? Huh? They're trashed. <laughs> okay. Well, I love this one. God's gift lasts forever. And that means a lot to me, personally, because I have a brother 
who was in heaven. But I never got to meet. I have a brother-in-law in heaven who died tragically at a very young age. I have a dad in heaven. And let me tell you, this is exciting. And many friends in heaven. How do I know my dad's in heaven? Because he accepted the big gift, the big box he accepted. The Bible says here in 1 Peter 1, 4, God has reserved for his children a priceless gift. I love that. A priceless gift of eternal life that is kept in heaven for you, pure and undefiled beyond the reach of change and decay. And again, Romans 6.23, this is how I know. Because the free gift of God is eternal life. That's the destiny through Christ our Lord. Now, it comes in the package of Jesus, this new destiny. It's a free gift. You cannot earn your way to heaven by doing a whole bunch of good works. Good works are the fruit, not the root of your salvation. And you should have good works. But that doesn't get you there. You do that out of gratitude for what he's done. You cannot buy your way into heaven. Price tag, 7.9 million. Doesn't work. You cannot bribe your way into heaven. Never going to work. And the judge of all the earth. You cannot bargain. Oh, well, I've done so many good things and that sort of offsets my bad thing. No, that doesn't work. The only way is through Jesus Christ and his shared sacrifice on the cross. It's simply a free gift. And when you receive the big gift... You get a new destiny. It's part of that package. Now, as we wrap this up, on the subject of gifts, the past couple of weeks, parents are frantically trying to find presents for everybody that they need, right? I know I haven't been. Although I did mine online, I must admit. But notice what Jesus has to say about this. Matthew 7. If you, that's you and me, if you, Though imperfect, I'm imperfect. I'm an imperfect parent. None of us are perfect parents. If you, though imperfect and sinful, that's me, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven, who is perfect and who loves you unconditionally, will give you good gifts to those who ask him. Now, every gift that you have in life, the air you breathe, the sun, when we see it, (laughs) your health, life itself is a gift. But there are some gifts you have to ask for. And one of them is, I want to have Jesus Christ in my life. So I want to summarize. God says, I sent the gift, the big box of Jesus, my son, to die for you so that you could go to heaven. And I'm going to give you a new identity. I'm going to give you a new ability. I'm going to give you a new community. And I'm going to give you a new destiny. Four things. That destiny is in eternity. And these are just four of many gifts that are wrapped in Jesus. Question. Where else would you get that offer? You're not going to get that. That's why I call this the greatest gift you will ever receive. 
So what should you do with these gifts from Jesus? Well, the Bible would say to accept them humbly and gratefully. Second Corinthians says this, Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. Maybe this Christmas we need to focus on, being in, on, on thanking God and the attitude of gratitude. Here's the offer. It makes no difference in Acts 10.35 who you are or where you're from. That means your background or what's happened doesn't make a scrap of difference. If you want God, is that you? Do you want him to know him personally and are ready to do as he says? Notice the word and in there. Both are true. Then he says the door's open. You just need to knock. You just have to ask. And you don't have to say anything sophisticated. It's just something like this. Dear God, I need your son in my life. I need a new identity. I need a new ability. I need a new community. And I certainly need a new destiny. And he'll give them to you because of his grace. Now I'm going to pray a prayer in a minute. And I'm going to invite you all to follow me. To invite Christ into your life. To accept God's Christmas gift to you. At this time of year. But before you pray. I want to leave you one last thought. Can you imagine... A friend giving you a multi-million dollar gift that was in an envelope. Multi-million dollar. And he gave it to you. He said, this will see you not just through this life, but into eternity. This will take care of you forever. And then you never opened it. That would be pretty strange, huh? That would be pretty strange. Well, I know a lot of people who God has given this gift to and they've never opened the package. That, what's crazy is they seem to celebrate Christmas. How is it possible to celebrate Christmas year after year after year and never open that gift? Jesus is what Christmas is all about. For God so loved the world that he gave his son for you. You need to open the gift this year. You need to receive the gift and then open it. This gift is for you. This Christmas blessing, the one I've chosen, is from a 2,000-year-old prayer. And you'll find it on your outline in your Bible in Ephesians 3. It says, I pray that Christ will be more and more at home in your hearts. And as you trust him, may the roots, your roots, Go down deep into the soil of God's marvelous love. And I pray that you'll also be able to feel, not just know, but feel. And understand how long and how wide, how deep and how high God's love for you really is. And experience this love. Some of you today have heard it all, but you've never experienced it. Though it is so great that you'll never fully understand it. I get that. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Friends, before you were even born, God knew that you would be here in your exact seat on this exact day at this exact time, hearing this message so he could say this to you. You matter to me so much. I've offered you this gift.
God so loved the world, so loved that world, that he gave you his son. And in his son is a new identity that will last forever. A new ability to resist sin and to do the right thing. A new community for support and a new destiny. Would you pray this prayer? Now what matters is, just before we sing this, uh, pray this, is that you have the right attitude. What is that right attitude? That attitude is you must be humble. You must humble yourself before God. Remember, friend, God is God and you are not. And you need to put away pride and self-reliance and arrogance and just say this in your heart. Just say something like, in your mind, Dear God, thank you so much for the precious gift of Jesus Christ this Christmas, the gift of yourself. Thank you that you love me so much that you came to die for me. Now, I don't understand it all, but today I do want to say yes to you. I received the Christmas gift of Jesus. And I want my roots to go deep down into your love. I'm asking you, Father, to give me a new identity, a true identity. Not what everybody else is told I am. But dear God, what you made me to be. Help me to see what you made me to be. And may I fully understand my true identity. Would you give me this new ability? I know I can't change on my own. I seem to flake out. Too easy. I need your power in my life because my power seems to just run out. And Father, I need a new community. I don't want to go through this life without support and the foundation that you have prepared. And I'm humbly asking for a new destiny. That one day you will accept me into your place in heaven. Not because I deserve it, I don't. But because I've received your Son and your Savior. I pray this prayer humbly, saying I want to learn of your love and to trust you in the days ahead. I ask this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.